Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We've got a great show lined up for this evening, and uh, it's been uh, an interesting week seeing uh, things go on. And uh, make sure that the uh, live feed is muted there as we start up here. It looks like it is. But uh, so we're on the backup channel again tonight because, of course, the main channel has been demonetized. So uh, uh, this way people can still uh, throw up super chats and whatnot if they have questions during the show. Uh, Lloyd, if you can try to turn your volume down just a little bit so we're not getting too much feedback there. Lloyd is uh, broadcasting from the kitchen tonight. Uh, you know, it's just a, a kitchen sort of thing. you got to do a show from a kitchen. I think I think everybody should do at least one show from a kitchen, right? But uh, so uh, let's see. So uh, you know, please throw up any super chats. Appreciate any donations and whatnot. Uh, so this is what the third show I guess we're doing from the backup channel again. Uh, thanks everybody who's joined, and we're going to be covering the Muslim Brotherhood Part Two: Propaganda and Funding, going into Huma Abedin and the USS Liberty propaganda, as well as U.S. Islamic funding of our education system and uh, debunking a lot of popular myths out there. And we're going to be showing actual uh, economic numbers and, and things like that, where the money is actually coming from versus the, the common nonsense that's uh, floated around out there by, uh, you know, various groups or whatever. But uh, anyway, Lloyd, welcome back to the show. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me back at 2 o'clock in the morning. Hey, well, you know, uh, if you weren't in uh, Poland, I guess it would be a different time. So, <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, next time we can do this at 5 p.m. my time, and your guys just uh, show up at 2 a.m. <laughs> well, 5, 5 p.m. your time would be... Oh uh, yeah, I guess it would be about two a.m. Yeah, well, I uh, you know I used to live in that part of the world or at least near there, so yeah, I get it. I I remember dealing with all of the uh, time changes and whatnot. So anyway, I'm excited to dig into this. Uh, last week, we were, or two weeks ago, with you, we were covering the Muslim Brotherhood. Of course, this is part nine of our series on Islam. You and I have done thirteen. 12 prior shows. I guess this would be the 13th show with you and I, plus four shows with Todd covering all of this information. <laughs> to think we planned one show. <laughs> so, you know, uh, well, eight months later, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, over a dozen shows and, and months have gone by, and the, the rabbit hole has gotten deeper and deeper. Of course, we're constantly providing the citations on screen for everybody to fact check so please feel free to do that and in this episode i wanted to mention you know we're going to encourage people to look further into these topics themselves we would like to have uh, group participation on this research so that you know we're not just the only ones doing it we want to encourage the audience to really participate and, and help dig things up as well and not only that is as the audience goes through the material it will give them their own confidence in the research and know, you know, and also so that, you know, we're not pulling your leg or something like that, you know, check our citations, yeah. go down the rabbit holes, yada, 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 so that you know for certain that uh, this information is legit. And, uh, you know, you, you know, it's always good to fact check people. In fact, that's the only way you can know if uh, somebody is telling the truth or not, or they just name calling and, 
and and screaming or are they providing actual citations that anyone can fact check and verify on their own a contradiction yeah. is always a, a lie or an error so if you find a contradiction in information you know say is it the jews or is it islam what's the contradiction and who's lying so that requires actually going down and checking the primary research and digging things up yourself so, um, and hello everybody in the chat tonight. We appreciate you joining up. And, uh, but again, please everyone start to dig on your own and, you know, provide any research that you find because it is a lot of work for us to go through all of this information ourselves. So, uh, anyway, Lloyd, I'm going to pass it over to you. Where do you want to begin tonight? Excellent. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I've, I've posted a link in the chat of something I want to open with. It's uh, just a brief overview of an article. Um, everyone can look in the chat right now. They can see the link near the top. And so let me share my screen and we can minimize this. Share my screen and we can begin. I will be talking about the Muslim Brotherhood and we'll be looking at some of their activities. And uh, I, I think people may be surprised at what they find. So let me share my second screen. Okay, it's coming up here. Hold on just a second. I, there it goes. All right. Now I can see it. So we're looking at the article on the left side of the screen and bold Islamist call for theocracy yeah. in America. Yeah. So I've posted the link in the chat so people can click on that link if they want to read the article and see the video. But this was clipped from a Middle East forum article. And the it talks about the emboldened Islamist call for a, an Islamic theocracy in America. It says the Muslim Ummah of North America. Now, don't forget, when you join Islam, you join the Islamic Ummah, right? You become part of the Islamic community or Islamic society, the Islamic nation, right? And this is, so they see themselves as one single group and not just a social group, a political group. So they had their 2019 annual convention in Philadelphia Right? Speakers claim that Islam required believers to gain political power, to impose Islamic doctrine on America and fundamentally reshape American society. Right? I remember there was a past president that was talking about reshaping American society. So Ayman Hamous, executive director of the Muslim American Society, you may remember from the document that I um, had uh, previously on the Muslim Brotherhood, I showed there was a list of 29 original Muslim Brotherhood organizations. The Muslim American Society is one of those. And they're an affiliate of the Muslim Brotherhood. He stated that at this meeting, Islam is needed at the spiritual level, at the social level, and at the political level. So if it is wrong for the American religious right to want to impose their religion into politics, how would it make it okay for these people to impose their religion into politics? Movita Johnson Harrell noticed that she does not have an Islamic name, called on Muslims to occupy every space of this world. Nihad Awad, a co-founder of the Hamas-backed Council on American Relations of Care, he was the guy that stood behind George Bush when George Bush said Islam is a religion of peace. He was right over his shoulder told convention participants it is their duty as Muslims to engage in civil and political advocacy. Islam, as we've said before, is a political religion. It's actually a form of political doctrine on par with something like communism, fascism, Nazism, 
It is mostly a political doctrine. Our faith is based on action, a wide proclaimed arguing that Muslims on the political sidelines are not true believers. Georgia State Senator Sheikh Rahman urged Muslims to get involved in local politics, insisting they have the responsibility and should do what is right for this country, implying that Islam is what is right for America. Yeah, and, and, and never mind, they could return to their failing third world Islamic countries if they, you know, really want to do that. But they want to come here and impose their Sharia laws and whatnot on us. I'm surprised that the communists in the Democratic Party don't move to North Korea or Venezuela. Why they want to impose that in America. So. So we also have the Islamic circle of North America. I've got their training manual for youngsters, which they teach at their, uh, their version of Sunday school, which is the, you know, the little, um, uh, you know, the, the, the madrasa where they send the youngsters off to school to go and learn about Islam. Recall the chat they had with the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood inspired Ennahda movement in Tunisia on the best way to establish Islam on the practical level in the United States. Now, think about it. If you have freedom of religion, if you have freedom of practicing Islam in America, what are they talking about? They're talking about political takeover and imposition of Islam and Sharia. Bukhari, according to Bukhari, now Bukhari is one of the major authors of the Hadith we've covered before in the previous series. Ganushi said there are two options to Islamize society. If a country has a sitting Muslim majority, the government could practically establish Islam as a way of life on this planet Earth, or at least in their own country. But if Muslims are in the minority, particularly in the West, Muslim organizations should promulgate Islam across society until their influence has grown large enough. What does this imply? Boy, that siren is really loud there. My bad. Let me close this window. That's the penalty for living in a large city. So to finish off, I'm just going to do one more paragraph. Kanushi's Enachta movement is an ominous example of the consequences of electing an Islamist movement to power. After being involved with coup attempts in the 80s, they obtained the majority in the first Tunisian democratic elections of 2011. It did not take long for party leaders to show their true colors. They legalized Hizbut Tahrir, a violent pan-Islamist party, which seeks to reestablish a worldwide caliphate. It also maintained close relations with Ansar al-Sharia, Tunisia, an offshoot of al-Qaeda, and allowed the organization to operate while permitting other Salafi extremists to take over mosques and incite Tunisians to wage jihad. These are the people you're allowing to operate freely in America. And these, they've openly declared their motivations. And, and, and we're called fight. Islamophobes for giving people the primary citations for this about their own actions, you know, Correct. and uh, so, you know, we can click on the video there and watch this person saying this, you know, these people arguing for this type of thing as well. Yeah. And uh, oh. go ahead. I'm going to post this link once more in the chat so people can click on it and look at it for themselves. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so that's, that's me to begin. All okay. Right. You want to switch back? You got uh, us on the screen there. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Let me, let me minimize that. So where shall we start tonight, Jan? I've got different sections. I can, should we start with the USS Liberty? Shall we, or is this, you know, of the things we've discussed, where should you think I should begin? 
Uh, okay, are, so, are we? Have we covered enough of the Muslim Brotherhood yet? Did we finish out uh, the the primary doc or the the research document from? Uh, okay, so, okay, so yeah, good point. Now, what I want to do is, I want to show some of the practical applications of the Muslim Brotherhood doctrine tonight. Um, I have the I have the document, and. We did go through it briefly on one occasion prior to this about what it is. You can see the documents up on the left here. What I want to do is show to the audience some of the practical applications of how they go about with their uh, propaganda and spreading their doctrine and basically inculcating people into believing their lies. Um, so that's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, also, there's a, few, there's a few basic lies that are constantly being told. One is that Muslims have no power. Muslims have no political power. Muslims have no money. It's always the Jews. Muslims well, well, have didn't, no power. Didn't you know that there are brown people with box cutters living in caves? That's what I've... Precisely. And that is the impression that they constantly want to create. So how come the world's tallest building, right, is not in America, is not in Europe? The world's tallest building currently is in Dubai, an Islamic country. They are building now what is going to be the world's tallest building. It's also in Dubai, an Islamic country. Now, I lived in Dubai for 11 years, so you know I know a great deal about the country, and I did very well there. So, um, you know, so I know the country and I know the region very well. Also, Saudi Arabia is planning to build what is also going to be the world's tallest building. That's Saudi Arabia, not America, not Paris, not London, Saudi Arabia. So, if they have no money then how are they doing this? How come something like seven or eight of the world's 10 super yachts are all owned by Arabs? These are questions we need to ask. We need to look into this more closely. Why are they pushing the idea these people have no resources? And, and who does it benefit to believe that uh, Muslims are stupid brown people with box cutters living in ca uh, caves? And this is an argument that I, I, since we started this series back in January, I have heard this argument several dozens of times from people. And it's just absolutely baseless and thoughtless and you know people need to think through k bono who benefits uh for this belief correct very very true so now some of the things that the founder of the muslim brotherhood has said and here's a couple of the, of the organizations i've mentioned the muslim students association and we're going to discover how huma abedin was an active member of this organization in the u.s then the Muslim American Society, we just mentioned them in the article I just read, and CARE, we just mentioned them as well in the article I just read, as well as the ICNA. Um, I said, the, I dropped the link. Remember, Hassan al-Bana said, it's the nature of Islam to dominate, not to be dominated, to impose its law on all nations and extend its power to the entire planet, right? Establishment of a worldwide Islamic Caliphate, which will dominate the globe. This, these are the words of Yusuf al-Haradawi, which echo the statements of the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood. So any now, comments or questions? Yeah, and uh, so what we typically believe is, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but what do Muslims believe? Do not let your enemy know he is your enemy. Right. So... We have discussed some of these issues that the Muslim Brotherhood is committed to violent jihad, right? Allah is the objective, the Prophet is their leader, Quran is their law, jihad is their way, dying in the way of Allah is their highest hope. So, right, 
we know that Osama bin Laden was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. And this is their current Supreme Leader, Muhammad Badi. He's the current Ikhwan Supreme Guide. Yusuf al-Khardawi on the right was their Supreme Spiritual Leader. He's now been replaced with Sheikh Ahmed al-Rasuni. These are Imams. These people are highly qualified in Islam. Therefore, they don't misunderstand Islam, right? And this is Khardawi with Erdogan of Turkey. And as we know, Turkey has changed significantly under Erdogan. Okay. So is there anything that you want me to cover in this document or shall I go over some? Because I was hope just I was thinking I go ahead. And go on. I was just gonna say, you know, we could do a quick overview of the key points just to, you know, for those who didn't uh see the show a week before last which i do recommend okay. everybody so go back. To, okay so to recap since it's a 35 page document so the role of the muslim brotherhood in america is to destroy america as they wrote so as i mentioned prior a man and a woman were seen filming the structural supports of the chesapeake bay bridge this led to suspicion on the part of the police who then managed to trace the the uh number plate of the car, ended up that this man skipped the country. He and his wife, I believe, skipped the country. You think I went to Qatar? I think he went to Qatar. Anyway, it turns out they read, the FBI raided his home, discovered 80 boxes of documents. Turns out he had the archives of the secret Muslim Brotherhood HQ in America. He had all of their documents dating back to before 1991, where they had the strategic plan for the operations in the United States called the Explanatory Memorandum for the general strategic goals of the group from May 22nd, 1991. As they quote, settlement. So that would be where Muslims move, Muslims who accept the Sharia and who, who want to impose Islam and Sharia on the world will move to a place called Hijra. And the process of settlement is a civilization jihadist process. The Ikhwan must understand that their work in America is a kind of grand jihad in eliminating and destroying Western civilization from within and sabotaging its miserable house by their hands and the hands of the believers so that it is eliminated and Allah's religion is made victorious over all other religions. Without this level of understanding, we are not up to this challenge. And we have not prepared ourselves for jihad yet. It is a Muslim's destiny to perform jihad and work wherever he is and wherever he lands until the final hour comes and there is no escape. So you tell me if jihad means to eat more salads and go to the gym more often. Well, and, you know, meditate on a pillow and navel gaze as well. I mean, it's the religion of peace, right? But, you know, so what you've discovered going through these documents, et cetera, is that there is a five phase plan and they're at the end of phase four and entering phase five. And uh, we, and it's basically a 21 year plan and they're in the last two years. Well, of it. the Muslim, so Al Qaeda has a 21 year plan, which is slightly off track at this point, but they are, they were aiming at 2021 for a massive uprising. Right. Now, uh, global when, uprising. Now, but another Muslim thing. Brotherhood is planning for 2028. An, another thing that you'll, you know, that people need to pay attention to here is that 
the left uh, with their constant promotion of uh, gun control and all of these things that undermine our society and our Christian foundation as a culture, they are promoting this ultimate takeover by Islam. Who does it benefit to disarm our citizens? Does it benefit us or does it benefit our enemies? And so when we get that uh, disarming American citizens from, you know, uh, from being able to protect ourselves works directly into the benefit of this long-term plan. Right. Let me again, to recap, go through this, perhaps in a different episode, we can actually tackle the document in detail. Uh, but let me take people through the five phase plan once more to familiarize them with how everything we'll be discussing fits into the, to the, to the warfare doctrine of the Muslim Brotherhood. So the plan, so they have a five phase plan. And now in America, they ha- the Muslim Brotherhood has a hundred year plan, right? That's the original plan that they created and it ends in 2028 which is designed to, in their words, to take over America. Al-Qaeda has a, has a seven-part plan, which is in stage five, possibly in stage six at this point, actually in technically in stage six, which is um, also designed for a coup in America. But the five-phase plan for the Muslim Brotherhood, we are now in phase four as of early 2017, at least early 2017. Phase five is a violent coup. So phase one, these, this is verbatim from the document Right. And I have posted a link in the past to a Dropbox. In fact, a little bit later on, I will drop the Dropbox link again. People can check these documents that the FBI seized for themselves. Right. Phase one, discrete and secret establishment of elite leadership. This phase has already been implemented in this country. So they established their base and started working since 1962. Phase two phase of gradual appearance in the public scene and exercising and utilizing public activities. It has greatly succeeded. It has also succeeded in achieving a great deal of its important goals, such as infiltrating various sectors of the government. This is verbatim what they state in their own documents. They have gained religious institutions. They've embraced senior scholars. They are gaining public support and sympathy. How often and, do we hear, oh, well, the poor Muslims are victims of everything. They don't do correct. anything wrong. This is all part of the, the public relations campaign that they are promoting against us. It, you know, they're, they're, they want people to think that they are the good guys, the Jews are the evil guys, etc. And, correct. you know, we need to... You know, we need to be out there naming the Jew and exposing the Jews and killing the Jews per these people rather than paying attention to what's happening. So it's a, a very it's very much a bait and switch program. Right. And as part of phase two, notice it says here, establishing a shadow government secret within the U.S. government. So let, and just to uh, expand on that point, John Brennan, for instance, is a devout uh, Muslim that uh, that Trump CIA. kicked uh, that Trump kicked out as the DCI of the CIA. It's I wouldn't be surprised at all if Comey from the FBI, who was outed, was another crypto Islamist. Um, uh, it very much appears that Obama himself was a crypto Islamist, and they're allowed to use Takia to lie about being a Christian. So they can go to a Christian church and pretend to pray or whatever and pretend that they're Christians in order to promote this agenda. And meanwhile, Obama was secretly bringing in tens of thousands of Muslims and and putting them in cities all over the country to help this agenda here. 
Well, that's how Ilan Omar got elected. Yes. He simply moved 85,000 of her fellow countrymen into the area and they elected her. So phase three, escalation phase, prior to conflict and confrontation with the rulers through utilizing mass media, it is currently in progress. And phase four, we are now in phase four of this plan, open public confrontation with the government through exercising political pressure. This is what's happening. Ilan Omar, Rashida Taleb, Linda Sarsour and others. It is aggressively implementing the above approach and also training on the use of weapons domestically and overseas in anticipation of zero hour. It has noticeable activities in this regard. And phase five is to seize power to establish the Islamic nation. <clears throat> so we are currently in phase four and this is what we are seeing. They're training the use of weapons and they're using open public confrontation and they've prepared the ground for this. And a list of the organizations, I've mentioned some of those and you've just seen what some of them are doing and saying, as I mentioned in their 2019 conference. So, so shall I go on and shall we talk about penetration into the universities and schools, which is one of their aims? Yes. Okay, so we have, we regularly hear about, it's the Jews, it's Israel, they're spending the money. And Ilan Omar was kind enough to tell us it's all about the Benjamin's baby. So we decided to go and have a look and see who is spending the most Benjamin. Well, everybody says follow the money. So what happens if we follow the money? And, and what are these, these people covering up who claim to be so, following the money and not uh, exposing this? And my question is, how come no one else has gone and followed the money? There's lots of claims, assertions, but no one has actually started that I've seen. People that you've mentioned before, names like Adam Green, Ryan Dawson, Jesse Spots, Handsome Twat. How come these people are not presenting facts and figures? And so I went and collected yeah, and with the Brendan, help of... Brendan O'Connell is another one. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Right. So with the help of Todd and yourself, obviously, we've been collecting some of these figures. And now these are early preliminary findings. And if the audience wants to get involved in this, this would be fantastic. If you dig, what will you find? So this is from the X-Files, deny everything. I'm going to open this document. This is a spreadsheet. And I'm going to come to the spreadsheet in a minute, okay, to show you some of this. But this is a screen cap, just a brief screen cap of funding to one university, University of California, Berkeley. Israeli interest donated a total of $13 million. Now, this would be from 2011 to 2016, including 2019, right? These are the figures that we have. But in every case, their funding was only a fraction of Muslim nations. Take, for instance, University of California, Berkeley, taxpayer money for Middle Eastern studies, 597500 From Islamic Middle Eastern countries, $18.5 million dollars from Israel, $507,000. So you worked it out, right? You worked it out. This is Islamic countries have donated 36 times more to one university alone than Israel has. So who is getting the benefit now? We, when we start going through the funding and I will bring up a document which is called the Foreign Gifts Received by Institutions Report. Okay, and these are official government documents and we can make these available for you to look at yourself to verify. Israel typically is funding biotech research. So they provide money. So these are, you're talking about biotech companies 
of funding biotech students in biotech departments at university, whereas the Islamic money goes to students in Middle East studies, students who are involved in politics, and they go to schools K through 12. So they're trying to influence the perception of Islam within educational institutions. They're not funding technology, they're funding dawah. Because I constantly get accused of being a Hasbara troll. In other words, this is effectively Israeli goodwill outreach. Okay, that's, that's the outreach program, whereas no one discusses dawah, Islamic dawah, which is basically their political outreach program. That is their proselytizing on behalf of Islam. Right. So let's and notice this. And we're going to come to this again. Universities took six hundred million dollars tied to Muslim nations. Well, and we'll get to that. So let's have a look over the last. So, again, 2011 to 2016 and including 2019, Israel has donated fifty three million seven hundred and forty thousand dollars to eight universities. Right. So they've made a total of two hundred and seventy five donations. Afghanistan has donated 8.89 million to universities. Bahrain, 3.4. Bangladesh, 7.9 million. And I'll skip the Cayman Islands for now. China has given $680 million to American universities. Right? What are they buying with that kind of money? Egypt, 6 million. Ethiopia, 1.1 million. Indonesia, 44 million. Iran, $80. Iraq, $44 million. Jordan, $2.5 million. Kazakhstan, $62.1 million. Kuwait, $65 million. Lebanon, $5.7 million. Libya, $2.2 million. Malaysia, $71 million. Oman, $4.7 million. Pakistan, $4.9. Palestine, over a million dollars. Qatar, $1 billion. $253,000, 1 billion, sorry, 253 million, $1.25 billion. Saudi Arabia, $649.9 million. Syria, 1.3 million. Tunisia, $459,000. Turkey, $37 million. The UAE, $230 million. There have been 1,848 Islamic donations to American universities to fund political indoctrination, totaling $2.5 billion. Israel, $53 million in biotech research. Islamic countries, $2.5 billion. This is 47 times more than Israel has spent. Okay, and this is on political indoctrination of universities. Any comments here? No, so let's go back up at the top. Israel, $53 million. That's to all universities. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that 53 points, uh, you, I'm getting a feedback loop there. I believe that 53.7 million is less than 3.2 billion. But, you know, um, I, you know, some of the GDL people may have trouble with the math on that. You know, I mean, they think that that there is no influence or threat from Islam. So, you know, am I wrong to think that fifty three point seven million is less than three point two billion? 
Um, look, $3.2 billion is at least double $53 million. It's at least double, or is it closer to like 46 times more? Actually, so if you take out the communist Chinese contribution, right, that takes the number to $3.2 billion. Then you're left with $2.517 billion, right? That is 47 times more than Israel contributes in grants and funding to universities. Remember, I said Israel mostly funds, it seems to fund biotech research. The Islamic countries are funding indoctrination in, in politics, right? And religious studies and political studies and so on. So this is 47 times more money than Israel spends. Now, so Saudi Arabia... So well, that would explain why people think, well, oh, well, my Muslims are the poor victims. Because, yeah, well, so the reason that the Islamic countries can fund $2.5 billion versus Israel's 50 is because they have less money than Israel does, much less. That's why they can't afford this money, you see? And that's why they live in caves and they use box cutters because they can't afford proper things because they don't have money. I think that's proof. See, Saudi Arabia has a GDP of roughly just under $700 billion, whereas Israel is less than half that, right? So you start combining these countries. Now I'm going to provide now a spreadsheet. Okay, I'm gonna share this across both screens, across the screen. So this is the document. Now I will make these available. We will put these in a folder. I will make this available. I'll link all this to everyone. So you can see here the, uh, this is the university, the city, the state, the date, the gift was received, the amount. Let's look at Qatar, just to Carnegie Mellon University, $77 million to one university. Okay, so that's Qatar. Now let's have a look down here. Qatar again, 74 million, 74 million, 74 million. These are the dates. So they provided in 2015, they provided just over $77 million. In 2016, 74 million. In 2017, 74 million. In 2018, 74 million. And that is 7, 14, 21, 28. That's nearly $300 million in the last four years. Um, what are they buying with that money? So we'll talk about that. We'll come back to that. I'm going to change this by country. Of Okay, so we're going to sort this by A to Z. Let's look here. I've just sorted this by A to Z. Afghanistan. This is the money Afghanistan's been pumping in. 3 million, 1.3 million, 1.2 million, 715,000, 690,000, 400,000, okay, in that that's order. That's Afghanistan that's supposed to be that tiny and broken and insignificant. But they're certainly funding something. You've got to ask yourself what. I'm going to look for Qatar now. Let's have a look. Let's have a look at the, um, at the money from Qatar. Here we go. This is Qatar here. Okay, so you can start seeing the kind of money that poor broke Qatar is funding to universities. So if we just take Qatar and I start here and I'll just, I'll just stop, I don't know, randomly at this point, what are we looking at? 1.412 billion so far and I haven't even gone through the whole list yet. That's about so several billion dollars. Yeah, and I haven't even that. That's only half, less than half of the but, of the donations that they've made. But you know, 
Jesse Slops and uh, Handsome Twad and Albert Bishai or Bichai, whatever his name is, all these guys, they say that it's all Majus. Well, the thing is, why are we being t- so why has no one actually gone and downloaded the documents from the U.S. government and from the universities and from the IRS and actually looked into what these figures are? How come this is not being done? How come they haven't done it? Why are they making the claim without providing any kind of verification? Well, they they don't provide figures? anything for anything, you know. They literally Saudi Arabia. They literally don't provide any foundation for any of their claims now we'll notice george washington university is a very popular university for funding okay it is a very popular university and we'll get to that in a minute so you can see here saudi arabia saudi arabia saudi arabia saudi arabia there's a lot of funding that goes to saudi arabia would are there any other countries you would like to see uh how about something insignificant i know there's it's not going to be there but let's look anyway how about kazakhstan ah they're not on this list unless i missed mistyped it let's see okay they're not on this particular list that's on a different list but they aren't uh they aren't free of the numbers no that's in this one over here Okay, that's the Kazakhstan. $62 million donated in 54 donations. Uh, let me see. Did I miss? Did I mistype that? Mm, and thanks to uh, Dashing Rogue for the uh, uh, donation just now. And by the way, folks, he check out his channel after the show tonight. He had uh, Lloyd on earlier during the week, and uh, it was a good show. You'll want to check out that for additional information and, and follow-up uh research uh, unless i typed it wrong what are you looking for kazakhstan unless i typed it all wrong uh, let me see when i get to k-a-z-a-k-h stan uh so you said that again k-a just put in k-a-z Oh, JK, hold on. So let me go down. Or K A Z A. Oh, here we go. Sorry, my bad. Okay, I missed it somehow. Okay, there it is. So it is on the list. Uh oh. All right. So Kazakhstan. little tiny, broken, significant Kazakhstan. Now, are we going to discover that they donate more than uh, Israel, Israel too? Yes. yes no kidding. Do. What? A, okay, Kenya. They're a bloke, broke little country of brown people with box cutters living in Africa, right? Or in caves in Africa, right? So they're so the average donation is one point one five one million. They have made two hundred and sixteen donations, and the sum is sixty two million one hundred and seventy nine thousand. This is ten million more than Israel has. Okay, and so I'm at a loss because when I, you know, when I look at the 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 research that the GDL does not provide, it they don't talk about any of this. Right. So the numbers, if we start going through the numbers and we can start going through various other numbers, you'll find that the amount of money that the Islamic nations, especially these are countries that are Salafist. If you look at Saudi, you look at Qatar, you look at Pakistan, these are Salafist, these are Deobandi and these are Wahhabist and they're spreading their doctrine as they've stated, as I've mentioned in various of their own statements. Why is this not a concern? So, so let's step forward. So 
Now, a former US Air Force intelligence specialist has been accused of espionage for Iran. The name was Monica Witt. She was radicalized during a stint at George Washington University. George Washington University has taken $100 million from Saudi Arabia and other Islamic countries. She changed the name to Fatima Zahra. Now, people have to understand that with Islamic control, they, this is Islamic supremacy. You change your name, you change the way you dress. Look here, the FBI, wanted by the FBI. Once you become Muslim, you have to become Islamic. The whole culture has to change. You have to adopt Islamic practices and give up your own. See, see how she changed here? Yep. Okay, so she provided information that targeted her fellow agents in the US intelligence community. And she disclosed the code names and classified mission of the US Department of Defense Special Access Program. She provided access to several Iranian agents four of them, as far as I know, who are also wanted by the FBI. So this is her, okay? Technical Sergeant and so on. Other names, Fatima Zahra, Nargis Vit, and Wayward Storm, right? So charges spying for Iran. She was indoctrinated at George Washington University. The taxpayers have funded for the Middle Eastern studies, $258,000. Muslim nations, $100,854,398. Okay, this is from the Department of Education on Title VI grant, 2019 to 2021, and contracts data, 2011 to June 2018. Now, just above that, Georgetown University has a big influence on uh, Washington, D.C. area and politics and you know, $377 million there funded towards uh, promoting Islamic uh, hype, you know, hyperbole. And most of that comes from Qatar, who are Salafist and who are Wahhabist, like Saudi Arabia. Qatar is a major financier of ISIS. Now, here's a question, though. We also hear from various of these people that ISIS are Jewish and Saudi Arabia is actually Jewish. Now, if Saudi Arabia right. is Jewish, why aren't why aren't they calling for the destruction or the overthrow of the Saudi Arabian government? Right. Why good, aren't they calling great point. for the overthrow of ISIS? Great point. In fact, they're constantly defending Saudi Arabia and calling anybody who questions this Islamophobes and whatnot. In fact, Albert Bashai this week put out a ridiculous little video. He, he called me a, a, a descendant of uh, Judas Iscariot and whatnot. But, you know, I mean, these, these guys, they can't even, you know, it's pure slander. They can't support any of their points, but, you know, they want to deflect and avoid any actual research and substantiation. Why aren't they attacking, you know, if, if these countries are Jewish, like they claim, why aren't they going after Saudi Arabia? Why aren't they going after ISIS? Why aren't they going after all of these, these countries? Um, you know, they, they claim that they were taken over by the Jews. So you would think that they would actually focus on that. But we, we see nothing but them uh, defending Islamic uh, countries like, you know, like the Nazis always and, had. And defending Islam and saying that we are lying about whatever. So here's the thing. So think about this. You're looking now at 477 million plus 80 million. You're looking at about 570 million, 600 million. You're looking here at over 600 hundred million dollars in funding to and these are political programs at these universities we'll give you 50 million dollars we'll give you 100 million dollars lie for us about islam to your students here's a mercs here's a mercedes here's business class flights here's nice hotels make up 
curricula that don't accurately represent the politics or the religion of Islam. Understand. So now let's look at another article. I'm going to drop this article in the comments. Again, I'm just going to bring up the comments and drop this in there so that people can read this, this particular one for themselves. Okay, I'm just going to... Since I don't have my usual setup today. Okay, I've just dropped that comment into the chat. People can look at this. This is from the Daily Caller News Foundation. It's a recent article dated December. A, a Department of Education program funds colleges to teach about the Arab world, but payments are going to colleges that have received millions of dollars from Arab countries like Qatar and Saudi Arabia. Coupling the program with foreign funding is a backdoor route to Saudi influence. Faculty, okay, so the universities employ faculty or have hosted guests who are anti-Semitic, right? Universities funded by the Department of Education help shape the way U.S. Do you, do you realize you have our YouTube thing up there? If you could. Oh, my that. bad. Sorry, let me take that away again. My bad. So, so besides universities, okay, schools are taking money as well. K through 12 is, is taking money. Okay. So now what we're seeing here is that they are teaching. So U.S. K to 12 schools and colleges portray the Middle East and Israel are simultaneously bankrolled by $600 million tied to Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and other Muslim majority countries. Now, inevitably, what you find is that the charges are and the reports are that the faculty defame Israel, defame Jews, and praise Islam and Saudi, and Saudi Arabia and the other Middle Eastern countries, right? So the money has funded anti-Americanism and anti-Semitism in US higher education. So they've created a generation of students who hate America and who hate America, what America stands for, don't know its constitution, and praise Islam, Islamic law. Our, our Islamic country religions. is terrible. Our Fed, our standard of livings, our freedoms, our, yeah. our ability to defend ourselves, everything is bad. Um, yeah. we, we need to get rid of all of that and bring in Sharia law. That's what these yes. leftists want. Correct. So some of the universities hosted or employed anti-Semites with some facing accusations of having ties to terror groups. Now, if people want to start Googling this and start looking for this information, they're going to find it. Now, 12 have received money affiliated with Muslim-majority nations in the Middle East. And in each case, the money has dwarfed U.S. funding. You've seen there, typical funding from the U.S. to these, from the government or whatever, or taxpayer funding is like half a million. That's the average, right? Versus like $100 million. So the nations incorporated Islam or Sharia law in their governments who had an overwhelmingly Islamic population, right? So warnings have been issued of a backdoor route to Saudi influence over America's K through 12 curriculum. Believe it or not, the Saudis have figured out how to make an end run around America's K to 12 curriculum and safeguards, thereby gaining control of much of what children in the United States learn about the Middle East. Muslim nations awarded $603 million to these 12 universities from 2011 to 2016, 80 times more than the allocated Title VI funding. Israeli interest donated a total of 13 million to eight of these schools. In every case, their funding was only a fraction of the Islamic nations. Let's go through these particular schools. University of Chicago, okay, 611,000 funds from Israel, 300,000 funds from Middle Eastern countries, 5.7 million total, 603 million. And here's the Israeli number, right? 
So, so now for the GDL who can't do math, I'm going to guess again that three, 13 million is less than 603 million. Correct. Look at George Washington University, $96 million. What about the box cutters and the caves and the brown people thing and their inability to influence the West? That's because they lacked the few extra dollars that Israel would have paid them, I think. If Israel had given them $3 more, they could have bought a couple of these. But but they, they only had $96 million from George Washington University funded to them by Islamic nations. They needed the $3 more. Georgetown University, $343 million from Islamic countries to promote Islam as dawah. Learn this word, dawah. Okay, this is Islamic indoctrination. This is their active measures program, their political measures program. So understand, this is this is what we're looking at. Okay. Okay, now, I'm, I'm I'm really baffled why the GDL folks and the neo Nazis aren't talking about this stuff because they should be really upset about this stuff. Or are they just part of the Hate America crowd? I agree, they must be. So let me just finish this up. So let me finish this up. I think. Again, this is a subject that is wide open to investigation. People are not providing this data. Why are the critics of Israel and Jews constantly bashing these countries and the Jews, but not providing this data? Why are, they, why are we told they have no money? Well, clearly they have a lot, a lot more money than the Israelis have. They are funding almost 50 times more money to spread their Wahhabist doctrine than Israel is doing. And Israel is funding biotech research. These people are funding to indoctrinate students politically and religiously. So let me finish this. Outreach so, coordinators. So what you're saying then is that uh, people are being influenced directly by this indoctrination and this funding. And this is why we see these hate America groups and these people that go around blaming the Jews for, you know, for their masturbatory habits set all down the list. Correct. So the so what happens is the outreach coordinators or teacher trainers at universities are themselves trained by the very same Saudi funded foundations that design the materials. So the materials are designed by Saudi and then people are then indoctrinated in this and then they teach students. Right. And because they're taking the money from Saudi and Qatar and other countries, they they see them as polite benefactors and they take the money and they they smile. Anti-Semitism from colleges or their faculty that receive funding from Islamic nations. So now you've got various comments about lecturers. Holocaust denial is a form of protest, this said Brandeis, and he downplayed the atrocities of the Holocaust. Columbia University, which received $14 million from Muslim countries and 600,000 from Title VI and nothing from Israel, Israeli Iranian studies professor Hamid Dabashi said the Jewish state is behind every dirty, treacherous, ugly, and pernicious act happening in the world. So wherever the Islamic money goes, these behaviors immediately follow. University of California, Los Angeles, 2009 panel. They riled up the largely non-student audience into chants such as Zionism is racism, Zionism is Nazism, and fuck Israel. UCLA received 12 million from Muslim nations. It also received 6 million from Israel, far more than any other school, but that money came from Israeli biotech firms, while only $980 came from a group dedicated to boosting ties with Israel, called the Yahel Foundation. Georgetown Center for Contemporary Arab Studies hosted a teach-in for K-14 teachers in the public on Gaza, featuring speeches, speakers who have defended Hamas. Hamas is a designated terror organization. They're a theocratic government like in Iran, like the mullahs in Iran, okay? 
So now you have discussion of the Saudi agenda, okay? And they've been likening Muslims to Hispanic dreamers and invoking white supremacy. Anyone who resists the agenda is a white supremacist. And today, what are we seeing? A lot of talk about supposed white supremacists. University of Michigan, 16 million, eight, and only 1.8 million from Israel. Two instructors refused to help students study abroad in Israel. Now, notice the biggest funders, Qatar, 343 million, Saudi Arabia, 131 million, UAE, $87 million. So what's happening is these departments are providing, these of Middle Eastern studies provide one-sided highly polemical, which is anti-Israeli studies, basically. So they do not allow debate on the Middle East and do not allow debate about Israel. And they are basically all pro-Palestinian, anti-Israeli. And so when you, when you take this money, these instructors come in and this is what happens. They're spreading propaganda. I think your, uh, your microphone is auto-adjusting or something. You, did you make sure that you have that off? Okay, no, I actually, I reduced the gain earlier. I will pick it back up again. So what, what happens is we are looking at propaganda that is bought and paid for to the tune of billions. So any comments from the audience on this? I'm going to adjust the levels. Uh, a couple have been astounded, but uh, that's about it. You know, not uh, anything. Uh, I'm just going to bring this back to intelligent. my Intelligent. We've we've got some GDL troglodytes in there, but uh, they don't have anything important to say. Yeah, well, zero infinity. Else, how does Kazakhstan have millions? Well, they apparently do. It seems they do. They're investing in their future, right? So, so I mean, look, those are the numbers. Those are the official numbers. I will release these documents. You look at them. You call me a liar if you want, but this is this is what is officially reported. So, okay, I think I've covered that topic. I think we've, we've provided sufficient detail to say that there's, there's something going on here that needs to be looked at. Right. And, and, you know, the biggest question to me, Lloyd, is why aren't these hate groups discussing this stuff? Why do they want everybody only looking in one direction? And when you look at all of this money flowing around and you look at John Brennan and the CIA and Tom Steyer and, you know, uh, some of the higher-ups, uh, Samaria Salazar, et cetera, and the uh, GDL and whatnot, and the connections to the Obama administration there, you know, it raises a lot of question of what is the agenda of keeping people uh, focused on this false information. So uh, let's, uh, you know, let's segue over to the uh, USS Liberty uh, disinformation. Yeah. Uh, Daybot mentioned that he downloaded the docs from the Dropbox, but it says it's someone available. Yeah, I get the same message when I go to the link myself as well. Um, as far as I know, all the documents are there. Uh, may, maybe they've got some kind of filter that, that filters out some of the jihadi documents. I think they're all there and the relevant ones you will find. Um, so the ones relevant to what we're discussing are available in the Dropbox right now. According on that link. Okay, yeah. So so let's move over to another uh, one of the now one person did just made it make a good point. Mind uh what is that? Mind rape art. Uh they could easily sit back and wait for more mature adults and elderly to get a little older and die off before striking hard. The US is already whittled down to almost nothing. Correct. And then you get all of these uh, you know, hate America people and you know, we have to take care of people in other countries more than our own. We, we got to open the borders. We got to, uh, you know, not defend ourselves or our neighbors first. We, we should put everyone but ourselves first. We should ditch Christianity and whatnot. All of that plays into this 
uh, agenda long term. So like Lloyd stated earlier, it's a 100-year plan uh, starting in 1928 with uh, nine, nine years to go. And we can see where, where this is exactly heading. And uh, we can see how these people are, are using a red herring to keep us focused in the wrong direction. You know, if you don't understand your enemy or if you don't even know who your enemy is, you're not going to be prepared for it. So all of these people are going to be eating crow if they're not dead in 10 years as all of this stuff goes down. Yeah, I've just put in the chat the general Islam Dropbox link, as well as the USS Liberty Dropbox link. That is not a complete listing of documents, but it does have a few, so you can start on that, and we will be uploading more documents to that. Okay, so now let's talk about one of the enduring myths, which is this is one of the very... Uh, your gain is screwing up again. Make sure that uh, the Zoom volume, can automatic volume control thing is turned off. It always screws stuff up. Okay, hold on. Let me. How do I find that? Uh, go to the up arrow for Zoom, and then uh, your audio settings, and then uh, it would be oh, under there. Guy, uh, let me stop sharing for a moment. Okay, hold on. So where do I find this? More. Okay, go where to uh, audio settings. I'm showing it there on screen, and then uh, there's a checkbox under microphone. It says automatically adjust. Turn that off. Audio, microphone, automatically adjust. I see it. Okay, there you go. It's one of the worst okay. settings ever in history, you know, and Skype does that, uses that stupid thing too. It's idiotic. Okay, so thanks for that. Okay, how do I sound? All good? Much better, yes. Okay, so, so everyone, so if you guys can have a look, start looking into the funding issue. Start looking at these numbers. I will provide these, um, these documents, this spreadsheet and everything. But clearly, the funding, the indoctrination is coming from Islamic countries, and we need to look into this. Unless you feel that, that getting Saudi Arabian education is just a great thing. Okay, so the USS Liberty has been one of the major propaganda coups for the people who hate Israel, people who hate Jews, and even who hate America, who want to create division within the country. But it is one of the very, very few opportunities they have to attack the relationship between Israel and America. And they've made the most of it, okay? And they have lied about it left and right. Now, short version, okay? There was a, this was during the six day war. Right? And Israel was fighting against the Arab League. President Johnson was concerned that the US Navy would be drawn into the conflict and that Russia would get involved in the side of the, of the Arab League. He ordered all naval assets to be moved out of the area to hundreds of miles away from Israel. The USS Liberty, unfortunately, did not get the message. It was a failure in the US communication system. And we'll be going through all of this in detail. And it ended up in the middle of the war zone, not knowing that it should not have been there. And because it was in the wrong place at the wrong time, close to where a warship had just been, which was shelling the Tel Aviv, it was attacked. As soon as the Israelis realized the attack, and this is just a summary, I'll be going through the detail, they broke off. They apologized. They immediately provided assistance. This has then been made out to be something that it does not now if you so, go by what you know and the the attacks on this automatically dismiss anything that the official investigations say as a conspiracy theory and of course they don't supply any evidence as to why they actually supply 
second and third third hand uh, opinions of it, but you know they don't deal with the actual facts. And when you start going through the facts, uh, you know it's you know here one of the biggest things that we realize is that uh, you know the victims of yes. of the USS Liberty were all paid about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars by Israel. For you know, for compensation, and their families were paid. The families of the of the of the thirty one killed were paid like three million dollars each in today's money. But why would Israel pay for the apology and say, you know, here's compensation for our wrong? And uh, you know, if they if it was intentional malice, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. So I'm going to do. I'm going to go through the summary. Okay. All right. So it is one of the very few areas for anti-Israel, anti-Jewish interests to attack the U.S.-Israel relationship. Okay. Notice the Liberty was not attacked with anti-ship weapons. Okay. Those aircraft were diverted because they discovered that what the hell is this ship doing here? They diverted planes which attacked using air-to-air weapons. Right. If they wanted to deliberately sink it, they would have used bombs to drop onto the ship with the planes. The reason the planes were called in was that the Liberty was cruising so fast that those ships in the Israeli Navy couldn't catch it. So they called in the Air Force because they couldn't catch the Liberty. They assumed, therefore, it was the Egyptian ship which had been shelling the shore, essentially fleeing the scene. Understand? So that was, it was a case of mistaken identity. It was friendly fire. It was unfortunate. It was very tragic, but it was an accident. So if the intention were to sink it, they would have used anti-ship weapons. The Navy could not catch the ship. They called the Air Force for help. The patrol boats, the PT boats, the torpedo boats only caught up a while later. Now, the reports that an Israeli pilot speaks of an American flag on the ship forgets okay, that that statement is from a recon plane 40 minutes after the incident. And also the ship failed to receive five messages, five messages telling it to remain out of the war zone by 100 miles. Every other ship was taken out of the area, except this one that didn't get the memo. So the formal finding is that the attack was a friendly fire incident due to mistaken identity. There have been 10. Now, I've seen claims that people say there weren't any. Well, I've gone and collected dozens of documents. There were 10 official United States investigations and three official Israeli inquiries that have all established the attack was a mistake. Okay, there's the fact that it occurred in the midst of a full-scale war and there were fog of war conditions. On the day that fighting began, Israel asked, and again, there's so much documentation that can be provided here. Israel asked that American ships be removed from its coast or that Israel be notified of the precise location of US vessels. Because President Johnson feared being drawn into a conflict with the Soviet Union, he also ordered the ships and aircraft away from the area. Now, the day before, two days before, the United States had told formally the UN they had no ships in the area and they'd moved everything. There was supposed to be no US ships in the area. Okay, so the USS Liberty was assigned to monitor the fighting. It arrived in the area 14 miles off the coast, but as a result of a series of United States communication failures, the messages were not received by the Liberty. So on June 8th, 1967, on the fourth day of the Six Day War, the Israeli High Command received reports that Israeli troops in El Arish were being fired upon from the sea, presumably by an Egyptian vessel, which had done the same a day before. They thought the ship was doing the shelling, and the warplanes and the torpedo boats attacked the Liberty, unfortunately, killing 34 members and wounding 171. So numerous mistakes were made. The Liberty was first reported to be cruising at 30 knots, later recalculated to be 28 knots. 
Now, a ship that's doing 30 knots is assumed to be a warship, a destroyer, in fact, that's the signature of a destroyer, can achieve that speed. That's why the, the torpedo boats could not catch up. The Israeli Navy could not catch up to this boat. They didn't have the assets to do that, so they called in the Air Force, right? So these were two different military divisions that had to coordinate for this. And it was, so the operator of the radar, which was a Sperry, um, uh, sorry, it's a, um, I've done it, I forgot, but it's a World War II radar. The Israelis had. Okay, it was operated by a 20 year old who made a mistake. The ship was at 28 knots, which should have told them it wasn't a military vessel, but still it was traveling very fast at a time and they were looking for another warship. So a ship proceeding at that speed is presumed to be a warship. That was the military doctrine. The Liberty seemed to be fleeing the scene. Okay, the flag was drooped because it was calm. All right, and also on the second pass or the first pass, the flag was knocked down. Also, they had a five by eight foot flag up, which is very tiny. And at the, the distance at which the, the Israeli jets would fire was 2,500 feet. And according to the military visual acuity formula, you have to be at under 1,323 feet to see a flag of that size. However, the attacks were also happening head on to the ship. So with the flag at the back of the ship, they could not see the flag because they were not side on. Okay, so. So, and, the, and the commander of the ship, William McGonagall, testified the flag was knocked down on the first or second assault. So Yitzhak Rabin was then the IDF chief of staff. He had informed Ernest Castle, the American naval attaché in Tel Aviv, that Israel would defend its coast, okay, with any means, including sinking unidentified ships, and they were standing orders to attack any ship at that point, okay? They were standing orders. That's why the Israeli military had told the US ships to clear the area or to be advised of their exact location. So now the Israeli torpedo boats identified the Liberty when they got closer. And unfortunately the captain had issued a stand down order when the boats came in, but one of the sailors didn't hear the message and fired on the torpedo boats, which then caused the torpedo boats to fire back. And unfortunately that's when one of the torpedoes hit the ship, killing the bulk of the crew, all right? So that killed 28 sailors. Now the Joint Chiefs of Staff investigated the comms failure and noted that the Chief of Naval Operations had expressed concern about sending the Liberty so close to the area of, of hostilities. Four more messages were sent instructing the ship to move away. So due to a combination of human error, a high volume of comms traffic and a lack of sense of urgency regarding the movement of the ship, the messages were not received. Okay, so Israel sent abject apologies and requested information of any other ships near the war zone. The Israelis immediately contacted the US authorities in Israel and the US president and took corrective action. Okay, but omitting these details has allowed people to lie in depth about the incident. I'll pause there for a moment, yeah. All right. Yeah, you know, it's uh, very interesting stuff. You know, here we have the situation of the fog of war. It's it's in the middle of the of a war where and the USS Liberty should not have been there. And then of course, you know, oh, you know, the whole thing is painted like it was peacetime and the USS Liberty was just sailing by and Israel went out after them. It's like no, it was in the middle of a heated war. And you have all of this stuff going on. There was a, 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 an Egyptian ship shelling from there the day before. And 
They're trying to take down this ship. And not only that, but the USS Liberty was an intelligence ship. And, it was uh, a warship. It's legally a warship in yeah. a war zone. And also, now, there's a claim, for instance, that but in the morning, they identified the ship while the ship was at a completely different location. If it is steaming at nearly 30 knots, right, it was not in the same location in the afternoon that it was in the morning, right? And it was overflown by sub hunters who were looking for subs. So it was a different branch of the of the of the Air Force, not the Navy. And it was and it was, um, you know, it had moved. So now you had multiple different parts of the Navy that were an army and Air Force that were looking for this damn thing. And they had to collaborate. Different people were involved at that time. So where it was in the morning, it was no longer and who had dealt with it was no longer involved with it. So the U.S. the sorry. So now the Israeli government paid over three million dollars, which in 2015 dollars is 22.5 million dollars in compensation to the families of the dead men, and they paid a further three and a half million in 69 dollars, which is about 25 million dollars in, in um, which is about as Jan said about 100 almost 150 thousand dollars to the wounded. Okay, it then also paid settlement to the U.S. military or the Navy for the damage to the ship plus 13 years of interest. This is a link to the actual, um, I'll provide these links, okay? So according to the US Naval Court of Inquiry and the NSA, okay, the order to withdraw the ship was not sent on the radio frequency that the USS Liberty monitored for her orders until 325 Zulu, which was several hours after the attack. There was a long series of administrative and message routing problems. The Navy said a large volume of unrelated high precedence traffic, including intelligence intercepts, were being handled. And this combined with a shortage of qualified radio men contributed to delayed sending of the withdrawal message. The reason the ship was there was a fault by the U.S. Navy. So, so and so even though it was the fault of the U.S. Navy, days before the U.S. Navy had uh, supposedly ordered all ships out of the region, and the USS Liberty is there in a heated war when they're not supposed to be there, Israel still paid compensation for the error. Yes, yeah. The, the, in fact, Israel accepted complete responsibility for what happened. They took complete responsibility. Remember, they admitted fault immediately as soon as the captain on the patrol boat saw that, oh my, God, my gosh, it was an American ship, not an Egyptian ship. And they took complete responsibility. It only turned out later that the, the reason the ship was there was a fault on the side of the Americans. And, and that's why they weren't guilty of any crime in the sense that this was culpability also. And, and so they're, you know, uh, 51 years on, they're still trying to paint this. Uh, people are still trying to paint this as a war crime when uh, yeah. all of the yes. investigations and all, you know, and you can even listen to the pilots in the, uh, the recording yeah. saying, uh oh, we just fired on a U.S. ship. And so all of this stuff has been made public. Uh, as soon as the pilots figured out what they had done, they took corrective action. Everybody took corrective action along the way. But it's still pain <clears throat> painted as uh, a war crime and that, and that it was malicious. And, right. uh, you know, and then you have these, these, you know, there's a couple people, former uh, sailors, Navy sailors that were on the ship who try to omit and deny every single bit of evidence 
yeah. to the contrary, and they don't provide sound reasons. They'll say, well, this author refused to show up to our, uh, you know, our, our yeah. heated discussion, well, and therefore he, he didn't show up because, you know, his yeah, research we, is bunk, right? We've looked at some of this, and I can tell you, I can bury you in documents. I can bury you in documentation. So a couple of things, a lot of smoke. Unfortunately, vision, was, vision of the ship was obscured because there were lots of cans of, I think, diesel gas on the deck and the guns from the planes, they shot at the, the cans. And of course, because of that, there was a lot of black smoke, which obscured. You can see here black smoke rising vertically and black smoke, if I think here, and you can see some. So there was a lot of black smoke obscuring the details of the ship. So it was very hard for the, for the Israelis to see exactly what the ship was. Okay, also it was a windstill day, so the flag was drooped. The flag was not flying. You can see the smoke raising vertically here. Okay, so there was gas cans on the deck. Also, the attack aircraft, as I said, breaks off at 2,500 feet, okay? And they were head on to the edge of the flag. Now, there's, notice this photograph here. This, just above here, that is the Israeli mirage. Okay, that, that's how far away the mirage was. This was taken from the deck of the ship. Notice they're firing from the front of the ship along the length of the ship. You see these white lines here? You see these white splashes here? These are the bullets from the mirage hitting the water and walking into the ship. So they're walking the bullets up onto the ship. Each uh, mirage, I think, made two passes on the ship. The two mirages each made two passes. So these are the shots. You can see how far away. Now, they could barely see the plane. Do you think the plane could see the flag? No. Okay. So the Joint Chiefs of Staff investigated. Okay. As I said, human error, high volume of comms traffic, and lack of urgency. They also, okay, so now this is a declassified. I'm going to bring this up on screen in a second. This is an NSA report. This is a declassified. You can go to the NSA yourself, okay, and you can download this off the NSA website, okay, yourself. This is a declassified National Security Agency report, top secret, declassified. There's more than one, right? And it says here, the knowledge that the tragedy resulted not only from Israeli miscalculation, but also from faulty U.S. communications practices. Okay. And it repeats it here. And the details of the American communications failures. Okay. So you can go look at that yourself. Now notice the House Appropriations Committee in May 1968 says, conclusion, the use and operational capabilities of the defense communication system is nothing less than pathetic and the management of the system needs to be completely overhauled. Now, to just to finish up, um, I'll do this one section, then I'll leave, then I'll pause, and then we can finish the section here. So, numerous books have been written by people who were on the ship at the time. And yes, what was tragic, what happened was tragic, and they were obviously understandably angry. You know, Americans lost their lives, families lost their fathers and husbands. But books were written which omitted critical details details i've been able to find and i can bury you in paperwork as i said i can bury you in documents which somehow these details are critically missing from a lot of these um, these these authors and so on but there was a so they claimed that the there were no there were no transcripts and, and so on and so on but there was an AWACS plane um, which was in the area and this is a letter from one of the um hebrew speakers on the plane who was monitoring communications traffic for the US government at the time. This is from Marvin E. Nowitzki. I know you guys will say Nowicki, PhD. So letter from Marvin E. Nowitzki, PhD or Nowicki, 
published in the Wall Street Journal, Wednesday, May 6, 2001. Tragic gross error in a 1967 attack. In regard to Timothy Naftali's review of James Bamford's book, Body of Secrets, Mr. Naftali doesn't have, the, have it right concerning the book portion dealing with the Israeli attack. I know because I'm the person to whom Mr. Naftali refers as the chief Hebrew language analyst aboard the US Navy EC-121 aircraft. He says that I recall one of my teammates telling me of hearing a reference to a US flag from Israeli pilots. For the record, my teammate and I both heard and recorded the references to the US flag made by the pilots and captains of the motor torpedo boats. My personal recollection remains after 34 years that the aircraft and MTBs prosecuted the Liberty until their operators had an opportunity to get close in and see the flag, hence the references. So they only saw the flag after the attack had been finished and then they realized their mistake. My position, which is opposite of the author, Mr. Bamford, of his book, is that the attack, although terrible and tragic, especially to the crew members and their families on that ill-fated day, was a gross error. How can I prove it? I can't unless the transcript tapes are found and released to the public. I lost a room in a desk drawer at NSA in the late 1970s. These tapes have since been released. I'll pause there. So they, so they were found. Now, what you have from the Hate America crowd, from these uh, infantile so-called thinkers, is that... Uh, Everything that the U.S. government says all the time, 100% of the time, without exception, is a lie. Therefore, through this, you know, uh, you know, so you, what they do is they create a, fall, a, a series of false assumptions, and then they say, therefore, the Jews are guilty and this is a war crime. I mean, when we spoke with one of the authors, one of the people who was actually on the ship, I mean, the only thing that he could say was that every single piece of government documentation is a fraud. And, Literally. and, and he constantly used, you know, so just to, uh, you know, for full disclosure, yesterday Lloyd and I talked to uh, somebody. Don't mention the name. I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to mention his name, but we talked to somebody who was on uh, the USS Liberty, and all he could provide was diversion, name-calling, and excuses. Anytime we asked him for any specifics, he shut up, changed the subject, or avoided answering. He, he in fact, you refused know, to answer any questions whatsoever. You know, for instance, we've got anonymous users saying, Johnson recorded everything in the White House except the, you know, the U.S.'s Liberty incident. You know what? That's dumb. Give us proof. Provide us yeah. with actual proof. We asked this person who'd written a book on the Liberty for evidence, to refute the evidence that I was presenting. He could not. He did not. Okay. Now here's a couple of things. He, he did. He did 20, name call though. I'll, I'll give him that. You know. Uh, yeah. So he was okay. Granted. So the Gulf War friendly fire accounted for 24 percent of the U.S. dead. Okay. During the Gulf War, 24 percent of the U.S. dead were due to friendly fire, which is proof there that friendly fire does not happen. Mistakes do not happen. Now. Wait. 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 So 24 percent of U.S. debt is from friendly fire, and that's proof that mistakes don't happen, at least to the to the hate America crowd, I think is what Correct. you're Correct. I mean, these solid researchers that, you know, I mean, so now one of the accusations is that how could the Israelis mistake the USS Liberty for apparently this Egyptian ship? That's one of the questions. Now, here we have a color image 
sorry, are you, am I sharing my screen? Yes, I am. Yes. So yes. here we have a rare color photo of the USS Liberty during the attack, as you can notice. Oh, sorry, my bad. That's not the USS Liberty. That's the USS Stark, which was shot by two Iraqi Exocet missiles in the midst of the Iran-Iraq war. 37 crew members were killed by this Iraqi pilot more than on the USS Liberty. And the pilot shot the USS Stark, which was a spy ship, exactly like the USS Liberty, because he thought the US frigate was an Iranian oil tanker. Who's heard about the USS Stark? Nobody. I've asked several people. They've never heard of it. No one cares because Israel didn't shoot it. Well, In other so, words, so you, are you saying that there's been other mistakes, but the the GDL and neo-Nazi groups and all of these hate America people, don't they, care about it. they only care if it happened by Israel. Is that that's correct? Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay. Correct. So so this guy now, now, as you know, oil tankers are all all of them converted Navy destroyers because oil tankers all look like naval destroyers. That's why it was easy for this Iraqi pilot to fire two missiles and kill 37 people and no one cares about it. So I, I'm sorry, I got to wonder about this. Now notice people don't care about this incident. Now here, here we have the USS Stark. This is the outline of the USS Stark. I grabbed this off the web, 445 feet, 136 meters. This is the smallest oil tanker that you can get. As you can see, these two are identical. I can see how he could make a mistake. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know. As you can tell. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, Israel. I mean, if I superimpose these two, you can see it's incredibly easy to make the mistake because the two ships look identical. They're the same size, the same color. They've got exactly the same structures, as you can tell. I mean, so if an Iraqi pilot, you know, could make this mistake, then while in the middle of a freaking war, yeah, someone could make that mistake too. So now, so, so do you remember the game show oil tanker or military warship where you won money for telling the difference between the two and nobody won because they couldn't? No, I don't. Yeah, neither did I. So, <laughs> so this is the USS Stark. I, you know, I did play, uh, you know, what's that game? Uh battleship when i was a kid you know you sunk my yeah, battleship true. you know so this is the uss stock it is 70 meters shorter maybe okay? the pilot like, didn't have battleship as a kid true this thing is more than 200 feet shorter than the smallest oil tanker look at this silhouette look at that silhouette and he thought it was an iranian oil tanker and he shot it and he killed more naval troops and died in the uss and no one cares no one mentions it now of course let's talk about north korea who's obviously also our friend because we don't care if they kill naval sailors and take our boats so the uss pueblo another incident no one's heard of the north koreans shelled the uss pueblo killing two sailors kidnapping the rest of the sailors off the boat and they took the u.s which is also a spy ship these are all three spy ships they took the ship, and the ship is still docked in North Korea. It is now a museum that people go visit. So how come they aren't outraged against Korea? Because obviously they're communists, and they love their communism. And you can't – besides, these are brown people. It would be racist to right. um, anything bad Well, you know, you, you, there's you – know, and we're pretty far in. There's this hack uh, in the chat, Blop Jones. He said yeah. – have fun selling your fellow Americans lies. Keep the keep 
letting your boy Lloyd talk for you. I, I might okay, really. I'm letting you, you talk to. for me. No, we do just research. Just... Any any intelligent person could do research, but the problem is, is you GDL people aren't intelligent. Like I gave Jesse or Jesse Slops. I gave him primary oh, documents. Oh, this guy's criticized me in the past. He's not our friend. I mean, this guy's not our friend. He's but made... I, I had given Jesse Slops uh, primary citations. All he had to do was click on the link, and he was too incompetent to even yeah. click the links to verify well, it, you know? So how did these amazing researchers overlook all of these incidents? How did they overlook the actual financial evidence that disproves their statements? So, um, yeah, well, whatever. Thanks, Block Jones. Bye-bye. Um, so, so we have these incidents, okay, where two other ships were attacked and one ship was actually seized, okay. In one incident, more start, more U.S. Navy people died, and no one cares about it. Now, notice this incident. This is with two U.S. F-15s shot down two U.S. Army UH-60 Black Hawk helicopters. They'd left from the same base. They were being managed by the same control room. And in this case, the U.S. Army UH-60 helicopters were on a peaceful mission, and apparently each one was covered with six U.S. flags. Okay, each Black Hawk had six U.S. flags on it. And the controllers who were sitting in the same control room didn't realize that the Black Hawks were friendly. They'd taken off from the same base. They're being managed by the same controllers. And other controllers vectored in the aircraft, and they shot down two Black Hawk helicopters, killing 26. This mistakes happen. Okay, mistakes happen. So no, notice interesting question what you fear says, can you research 9-11 and figure out why there was such a strong Israeli presence during the attack on the towers? Well, that's a leading question. You are saying there was this, you know, therefore start from that premise. How do you know your premise is right? Understand? If every single thing that I found that the truth community has been saying has been a lie, and air, all of these air, people air quotes truth community, yeah. And if, if they're so incompetent, then I think that everything else must be in some way a mistake, a lie, or these people are just incompetent. Well, you know what they'll say is that the dancing Jews are proof of the, you know, uh, how many Israel of the Israeli presence there. And never mind, you know, how easy would it be to pay some college kids to go dance around and do this stuff, and then use that as a scapegoat goat point to uh, say, you know, look over there at those guys. It must be Israel. Meanwhile, and you you have documentation of this, and we haven't shown it yet, but you have documentation of uh, Muslims in Islamic countries celebrating on yeah, every 9-11 celebrating the collapse of the towers. But, of course, <laughs> these people won't ever show that uh information you know they won't show the islamists celebrating 9-11 they'll only show the dancing jews yeah and um yeah agreed you've gone uh, full shill yeah when you're yeah. when you're too stupid to pay you know to to, to verify facts all you can do is you name call you're not allowed to question the holy doctrine you're not allowed to say well there are some questions and problems you've there. sold out so, you've gone full shill because you know, I, I that's probably matthew north or jesse slops yeah. or one so, of these guys so let me finish so the uss liberty these are the american investigations the u.s navy court of inquiry 
CAA report, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, called the Russ Report, the Clifford Report, the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations. And notice the House Appropriations Committee says there was a Navy communications follow-up and no conclusion regarding Israeli actions, okay? So, but they admit the fault was with their comms. And then again, the House Armed Services Committee, critical of Navy communications. And of course, we have the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence in 79, responding to a book by Liberty crewman James Ennis, who made claims that the attack was intentional. They found no merit to his claim. In other words, his book was trash. And this is the same for all the other authors, okay? So National Security Agency there was, says the ship was mistaken for an Egyptian ship. Now, the best answer we've had to all of these investigations is every single one is a fraud, every single one, every page is a fraud, every, everything. So I have, the, I have very detailed documents on this. And we yeah, can show one step by yeah, step. Yeah, and they say just believe the official story. Of course, they can't supply any evidence on. As we've just walked them through the evidence, they have no counterintelligent argument. It's just, you know, we hate America. Government always lies. Therefore, you know, the Navy taking responsibility for it themselves isn't a valid answer. We just have to hate our own country, and by the way, hate the Jews too. That's. You know, that's the right. sum of the, you know, the thinking capacity of these people. So, so I've presented various facts and I've presented various information and I will present a ton of documents. You need to present your evidence. All you have is assertions and empty claims. No, but it's this. No, that's how a five-year-old argues. You people are five-year-olds. Yeah, see, look, you know, this is what they do. Again, it's always these uh, fake, empty accounts, you know. So, you know, it's one of eight of these... Uh, gdl hacks you know you too little fish have a nice day um so so this is so i'll so i provided a certain amount of them given the time amount of information regarding funding well, can we, you uh, pull your camera down you're cutting off the top of your head or pull it out and pull it out of a share screen for a minute i will do so right now shall we i can briefly also talk about the fed if i just want to go into that so we can start maybe throwing in some questions about what people are saying and why but i mean this part is wrapped up i have humor abedin and we can look at the fed that was my next thing is humor abedin yeah i would say uh humor abedin because it's gonna you know how long is the information on the fed um let's do like let's do two minutes how about that just just do just, like just hit great... the main points because you know all, all so, of the, so the are, hate America, you know, the Muslims are the poor victims. Um, you know, we got to yeah. we got to support everybody else. But us crowd so, uh, repeats okay. these same points. So the thing is that what we want to do is we want to start looking at the evidence. So we started looking at the numbers. Remember, Ilan Omar said it's all about the Benjamins. Right. So we are looking at the Benjamins. So we've decided to start looking at the actual and on the right hand side of the screen here. So. Um, now look, we these are these, this is early days. We're still busy working on this. And if the rest of you want to get involved, start looking at the numbers. We might find a very different picture than what is commonly being presented today by this by the by the narrative, right? By the Jew haters, really. So just briefly, then, top ten holders of U.S. Treasuries by country. Israel is not amongst them, but notice Saudi Arabia is. Okay, so okay. wait wait a second. So you're saying of the U.S. Treasury, Israel isn't even in the top 10? Israel is number 31. 31? Wow. Yeah. And China? Number one. Communist China is number one. 
No. Uh, what no about uh, Ireland and Brazil there? <laughs> you tell me. You tell me. Um, you know, obviously these are both Jewish countries, right? So Cayman Islands and Luxembourg are two to look at. Now, previously, for some reason now, due to President Trump, he has changed the reporting requirements at the Fed and the Treasury. So he has made the reporting a lot more transparent and we know more about it now than we ever did before. So they have to publish more data. And previously, Saudi Arabia was always lumped in with OPEC and never broken out separately. It's only now that they've been broken out separately and they always keep their funding to the level that they remain just outside the top 10. They always tend to be 10, sorry, 11, 12, 13, 11, 12, 13. In this case, they, at this point, they, they came in at number 10, but they always make sure they adjust and drop out of the top 10. Now, Cayman Islands and Luxembourg are two interesting ones because these are private funds and no one knows who's really investing into these funds, but it has been known that Islamic money is invested in these locations and they could then by proxy be investing into these funds. Now I want to look, I'm going to zoom into this document here. This is from May 2019. These are major foreign holders of treasury assets. Okay. So these are the people who have shares in the Fed, basically, essentially in US treasuries. China, number one, right? Ireland, Switzerland, Luxembourg, and Cayman Islands. Okay. These are 229 billion and 216 billion. Then you've got Saudi Arabia. Okay. And then you, if you keep going down, so now we've got UAE, United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, and uh, Israel is all the way down here at 31 with only 36 billion. But wait, I thought the Jews controlled the Fed. How come they're down at 31? Uh, because they're going to make up some idea of secret money that's invisible. But well, well, wait a second, but ground. look who's at 33. I mean, does that mean that Poland controls the Fed? Secretly, yes. Yes. The Philippines, look at that, 30 billion. You tell me. Understand? So, so there are discrepancies with the claims of the, the unlimited amount of money that Israel apparently has. So we need to start looking at this. We need to start looking at these claims. The Arab nations are investing and spending a lot more money. Why are the supposedly truth tellers not discussing this, not disclosing this, not looking into the money? So that's, that wraps up that portion. We'll, we'll leave that at that for now. Okay, so again, they're wrong. So it's amazing. I mean, are we finding anything that these, these hate groups are right about? Are the, the, the proponents of these bogus claims? Dude, these people can't even spell correctly. <laughs> so the secret presidential, oh my God. His citation is... The secret presidential recordings, whatever. So, um, okay. So now we're going to talk about Huma Mahmoud Abedin and the Muslim Brotherhood to end off with. And um, she's been named Hillary Clinton's shadow. Right? Others have called her Clinton's surrogate daughter. And also she was the vice chair of Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. This is a fairly short section. I want to raise some important points. Uh, just and just again, a second. Either Jesse Spots or Matthew North is uh, back genitals with is yeah, it, the genitals. The, the, you know, these are people hiding behind a fake, fake yeah. troll accounts, pretending that they're not the paid shills. But, yeah. you know, genitals <laughs> get it. You know, so, I mean, this is the stupidity of of Jesse or Albert Bashai or. Yeah you know, uh, handsome twat, whatever, 
you know <laughs> you know yeah. so i mean this, yeah, this and, and, and see look at look at this and, and you know so these people will actually go around and tell you that the jews uh are behind all the porn and then what they do is they use porn photos for their avatars no issue there yeah. folks you know the jews made me do it i was alone in the toilet and the jews made me do it um moving on okay so let's <laughs> yeah and then we'll okay, hear so, and then we'll hear how those accounts were actually legit you know i i hear that all the time oh but yeah you know these commenters are legit go ahead yeah okay so now huma abedin huma mahmoud which is obviously a jewish name um was hillary clinton's deputy chief of staff when she was working as obama's secretary of state and she handled day-to-day -day operations as well as she answered and handled Hillary's cell phone. She was considered by many as the most powerful person in the campaign organization. Now, Abedin was at one point the only official channel to Clinton and was elevated to the most senior member of the Clinton campaign. Okay. Now, her involvement and her, her power that she had, the influence that she had, was only became public once the State Department released thousands of emails from Clinton and her aides when it was discovered that Hillary was using a private email server. Okay, so following the release, Abedin's role became known. Okay, she had full access. Now, what people don't know is Huma Mahmoud Abedin lived in Saudi Arabia for 16 years. She and her family relocated from Michigan to Jeddah, which is 53 miles from Mecca. Right, which is um, the Jewish major religious hotspot, I think. So, so Saudi Arabia, they, she moved to Saudi Arabia with her parents who are Indian Muslim and Pakistani Muslim. Her late father, Sayyid Zainul Abedin was Indian. Now we need to note that Sayyid or Sayyid is an appellation or in other words, like a descriptor, a Muslim claiming descent from Muhammad. Right. So to have Saeed in front of your name means that you claim that you are a descendant of Muhammad. And we also should note that Abedi, which is her surname, is one who serves or worships Allah. Abedin is the plural, means worshippers of Allah, the servants of Allah. So her mother, Saleha Mahmoud Abedin, was born in Pakistan. Okay, so Abedin's father started a journal, an international journal called the Journal of Muslim Minority Affairs. She worked part-time at the journal between 98 and 2009, and she came from George Washington University. That is the same university that has received hundreds of millions of dollars in Qatari and Saudi funding and produced the traitor that sold U.S. data to Iran. And oddly enough, when she was at university, she worked for the Muslim Students Association, which was the very first Muslim Brotherhood organization established in America in the early 60s. Now, she married ex-congressman Anthony Weiner. Okay, that's them, the happy couple, as you can tell. <laughs> Questions have been and raised. And he's also, Abedin. as far as I know, uh, being investigated for pedophilia as well and all kinds yes, of stuff on his laptop. Yeah. So now, questions but, but have been raised about Islam does uh, defend and promote uh, pedophilia. So, yes, okay. So she's been she's been investigated, okay, because 
She accepted outside in income as a consultant while working for Clinton at the State Department. She had income from an outside consulting group while working for the government and receiving a government paycheck. Hillary Clinton signed off on it and she made Abedin a special government employee. She broke the rules for her. Okay, so Tenio Holdings was this company, which is a private consulting firm with close ties to the Clinton family. Aberdeen also did not disclose the special employment arrangement or the $135,000 she earned from it, which is violation of the law mandating that public officials reveal outside income. Okay, so this was hidden and this is, this is against the law. Now, it has been noted by many that it is extremely rare Okay, in fact, I should know, living in the region, I've seen this so often, Islamic women are not allowed to marry non-Muslims, especially a Jew, because the animosity that Islam has for Jews. If a Christian man wants to marry a Muslim woman in a Muslim family, he has to convert to Islam, because the Muslims must increase and the non-Muslims, the Kafir, must decrease. So... Dr. Anwar Shub, the highest ranking faculty authority at the College of Sharia and Islamic Studies in Kuwait, formally declared that Abedin's marriage to Wiener was null and void under the dictates of Sharia law, which explicitly forbids marriage between a Muslim woman and a Kafir. And in fact, Shuaib classified the Abedin Wiener union as a form of adultery. Now, she's connected to the Muslim Brotherhood. Why would she marry a congressman? Could anyone tell me why? <laughs> especially a Jewish congressman. Now, I want to raise a question. Pakistan, again, another issue that does not come up. Pakistan was stealing data off Hillary's server. And in fact, multiple Pakistanis were hired by the DNC, the Democratic National Convention, through Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who were then assigned to be the IT staff for several multiple congressional staff. Okay, so Debbie Wasserman Schultz got them top security clearance. They copied data from the congressman. They put them on Humer's server. That data was then transferred to Pakistan and Pakistan donated millions to the Clinton Foundation, quote unquote, charity. Multiple different countries that were stealing data off Hillary's server donated money to the Clinton Foundation. This was selling data for money. So Imran Awan and his family were Pakistani and her mother is Pakistani Muslim, were banned from the White House computer network in February, 2017. However, for some reason, Debbie Wasserman never fired them, right? They were called an ongoing and serious risk to the House of Representatives and a server containing evidence had gone missing. There was unauthorized access and logs were falsified, okay? So now, Imran Awan split his time between several Democratic lawmakers and he was arrested in July, I think 2017, while trying to board a flight for Pakistan. They got him on bank fraud charges, but they never ever questioned or investigated his theft of American political data. So she failed to fire him. They got him for 300,000 worth of bank fraud, but never ever dug into that whole issue. I'll pause there for a moment, any questions? No, none from the uh, audience either. Okay, so so Hillary, now 
she studied at George Washington University, which as we know right now is a hotbed of Islamic indoctrination because it's receiving hundreds of millions of dollars in funding and has already turned out one traitor to the US who was in intelligence, okay? So within two years, she becomes an intern for Hillary Clinton. And now her family business is owned by the Muslim World League. It was started in conjunction with someone who works in the Muslim World League. And I'll talk about that in a moment. We'll finish this soon. Saudi Arabia's global organization, the Muslim World League, it promotes Wahhabi Islam, Islamic supremacy, and wants to implement Sharia law worldwide. Now, what's interesting is that the Muslim World League reports, and I, I took these Google shots a couple of days ago, they have an office at 46 Googe Street in London. And so is the family business of the Aberdeens is also at 46 Googe Street. Let's see, Muslim World League, 46 Googe Street in London. Go to Google right now, check it for yourself. Here we go, Institute of Muslim Minority Affairs. They both share an address. Let's go can to the webpage. you zoom that a little bit so people can see? I'll just go to the actual webpage and All here right. we see 46 Googe Street. So the Aberdeen family business is a front for Saudi Arabia. So Saleha Abedin, Huma's mother and her brother are still employed there. Abdullah Urman Nasif, this man here, is one of the founders of the Muslim World League. And he was vice president of the Saudi Shura Council. In other words, he provided advice to the head of Saudi Arabia, to the, to the, to the Sheikh of Saudi Arabia. He was the head of the consultative assembly, the advisory body that advises the Saudi king. So he's known, his organization is, is known to have funded, which he founded with, um, so, okay. His organization is known to have funded Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden, okay, that we declared guilty of funding Al-Qaeda terrorism by the US State Department during the Holy Land Foundation trial, which is the largest terror funding trial in US history, right? Now notice, so humor worked, okay, she was, so one of the organizations I mentioned earlier was the Muslim Students Association. She was an executive board member for three years on this organization. They were the first Islamic Muslim Brotherhood organization in America, right? Two years after she left, Anwar al-Alaki, the Al-Qaeda member and the preacher to the 9-11 hijackers became chaplain of the MSA. Huma Abedin was an executive board member. Her mother, okay, is a leading member of the Muslim Sisterhood the women's division of the Muslim Brotherhood. Their goal is to destroy Western civilization and replace it with Sharia like in Saudi. Hillary Clinton has traveled around the world to meet with Saleh Abedin. This is her mom here, this woman here. And that's Hillary Clinton. They've met several times. Saleh Abedin means virtuous woman who worships Allah. She's a leading Sharia activist. She published a book called Women in Islam. She supports the death penalty for leaving Islam. She supports the legal subordination of women under Sharia and the participation of women in violent jihad, according to her book. The book discusses the religious merits of sexual submissiveness, child marriage, lashings and stonings for adulterous women and even female circumcision. So Hillary Clinton has flown to meet with her many, many times. And a point of note, as I finish, the Clinton Foundation has received more than $25 million from Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia funded 20% of Hillary's election campaign in 2016. So Saudi Arabia has massive influence on the Clintons. They've penetrated into the government, especially in the presence of Huma Abedin and Hillary Clinton. Okay. 
Hillary Clinton, now there's more about this. I mean, I didn't have time to go into all of this, but she's working with the global movement whose goal is to destroy Western civilization. And she's taking money for it. Humor is the link between all of this, right? So she has never distanced herself from terrorists, from radical views, from the Muslim Brotherhood. She just goes silence, okay? So now, now Abdullah Omar Nasif, and Abdullah means slave of Allah, okay? He created the family business as a partner with her father, okay? And we need to start asking some questions about this connection. Oh, and by the way, okay, this is a little bit older, but, and this guy went to, well, he was eventually jailed in Saudi Arabia for crimes. You know, this is the guy that owns more stock in Twitter than Jack Dorsey. Just, just thought I'd mention So, that. you know, and, you know, I'm just going to show this meme here. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to show this I'm, meme here just because it's funny. But, uh, you know, so uh, in regard to uh, Jack Dorsey and, and Twitter and uh, the Prince of Saudi Arabia, here's, you know, all you need to do is change this to Twitter. Uh, I'm sure the same is likely true for for Facebook as well, though. But, you know, so the Prince of Saudi Arabia has controlling stock in uh, in uh, Twitter and not Jack Dorsey, the founder of it. So Mr. Winter says, was talking to his landlord on vacation in Turkey. We got to talking. She's a secular Muslim, considers herself full Turkish, though DNA says she's also Ital and Armenian. Her husband is a Russian Jew from Poland. She said she is a fan of Ataturk. Any comment on that? Ataturk is the guy that um, he basically secularized Turkey. But all of these reforms, because Turkey was the caliphate, was the biggest caliphate in the world. You, you know that Islam had the largest empire in history. If you look at the countries conquered by Islamic conquerors, they had the largest empire in history, right? So in 1924, he abolished the caliphate. And four years later, in response to that, in protest, the Muslim Brotherhood was formed to reform, to recreate the caliphate, right? By, um, um, so yeah, so the Muslim Brotherhood was formed four years after that. And of course, one of the aims of the current president of Turkey, Erdogan, is to return the glory of Turkey and the caliphate which is the Islamic, basically an Islamic world. A caliphate would be, you know, to, to turn the world Islamic. So uh, let's see, Lee Stefan Michaels posts, quote, as, and I think this is regarding to Huma Abedin, as she's yeah. been uh, exposed to the foundation and what her father's doing with his post-presidential life, says Hillary Clinton's deputy chief of staff, Huma Abedin, quote, I think a light switched on. It's going to be Chelsea's responsibility to carry that torch. This is the core of what her grandmother encouraged her to do, embrace her inheritance. And, of course, inheritance meaning Islam and, uh, you know, the murder of all kafir non-believers and whatnot. So, you know, if uh, any of the uh, shills out there hiding behind the fake accounts can manage to muster enough brain cells to find primary evidence to uh contradict our work we'd love to see it so yeah, far why all, don't they all... talk about the connections with these people so they always claim they have no political power they have no influence in government this woman was in the height of the government right, right. well because are, all, all they have to say is yeah. you're a shill and then that's as far as 
you know, their argument goes. They can't, you know, they don't have enough brain cells, apparently, you know, scraping 85 IQ points. You know, yeah, all this is your show, right? But yeah, why don't they tell us how many others are in government? How many others are stealing data from the government, selling it to Pakistan, passing it to Saudi Arabia, right? Why are they simply saying, oh, you're a shill, exactly, without examining the evidence? I, Why are they I, I, insisting it's only Jews when we've got proof this woman was in tight with Hillary, was 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 at the top of the U.S. government? I have a question. Um, how come most of the top people in the GDL are actors? It's like Zoolander. <laughs> I wonder if they can turn left. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, wow. So, so yeah, look, that, that's my story. I mean, I think there's enough information here to start raising some serious questions. Yeah. The so funding issue is a lie, right? Yeah. They have access to the government. There are others. There are so many others. I don't have time to do all of this. But why doesn't the truth community start digging? Why are people trying to prevent people from digging? Right. Why can't those other truth people who are so into Palestine, Fakistan, sorry, you know, Adam Green, Ryan Dawson, others, why aren't they digging into the numbers? Why aren't they revealing this information? And, and why, why they... are these GDL people, you know, Jesse Slops, Handsome Twat, um, Matthew North, uh, Albert Bashai, all of these people, why are they so invested in attacking anyone who is investigating the facts? That's the real question right there. You know, and these people are losing credibility. Um, we had uh, Jesse Slops going around with a bag on his head the other day doing a, some shaming ritual, you know. But, uh, you know, I mean, these, these guys are on the losing side. I've read the end of the Bible. I know who wins, but... Um, Anyway, anything else to add before we go? Uh, no, that I think that's enough for now. I mean, oh, so oh, clearly, oh, wait, wait. We did we forget some? Okay, so you did send some evidence yesterday. Now, anonymous user is annoying as this person is. Do Islamists have major economic beachheads besides tech and oil? And the answer to that is yes. Do you want to post up that thing, or was that Todd's evidence? That was Todd's <laughs> Sharia banking. You need to start looking at Sharia banking. Yeah, it, you know, it's like okay. So where was that evidence? Okay, goodness. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't want to uh, take. Uh, maybe he's legitimate. Maybe he's legitimate. But Todd, the question... Todd, can you post that in the chat? If if you're still in there, can you post that? Yeah, let me find that as well. I'm busy looking for it right now so that people can actually look at this. I didn't want to take his evidence because it was a great find, but uh, $600 billion in uh, Wall, Street, uh, Wall Street financing is uh, our Islamic bank. So, yes, uh, you know, it is a big area and growing. And that was an older article. But I don't... here we go. Okay. I'm going to share this very briefly, so we'll just quickly do this i want to move this over to the other screen maximize it because you know only jews have banks you know that's that's the official story yeah correct so we need to start questioning hot trend of 2017 rise of islamic banks on main street usa okay and it goes on here so everyone can see this but those those Islamic banks must be victims of the Jews, if you believe the you know the well, hate, hate don't America forget, people. They claim in their documents they're going to infiltrate the media, education, and politics. 
and law enforcement. And well, Riyad Mohammed, that's clearly a Jewish name, you know. So what they have is, is the, so where did they talk about the growth? 2000 Islamic banks have become a force to be reckoned with. Islamic banks capital grew from 200 billion in 2000 to close to $3 trillion in 2016. Says Ibrahim A. Ward, Jewish name, professor of international business at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University. This figure is expected to go up to $4 trillion. There are more than 300 banks and 250 mutual funds around the world complying with Islamic principles. I think that $3 trillion, which is less than I make in a day, you know, <laughs> they don't have money. Yeah, they don't. Have money. Well, you know, they have they're brown people and they have box cutters and they live in caves. So, I mean, yeah. are, if you're done sharing that, let's uh, go back to the yeah, screen. I will but... stop there. So, so look, I mean, I think I think people need to start looking at the evidence and start realizing that the story that they're you know, being fed is a bunch of crap, you know, and they're yeah. being they're being they're, they're having their chains yanked by a bunch of frauds you know and and liars in the in the gdl who are pulling every you know literally lying about every detail we have we even found anything that they've told the truth on in the eight months since we started the shows no no and then you know like albert bishai did the slanderous hit piece or it was i think it's albert bitchai did a slanderous hit piece against me the other day saying like i you know like that i was a descendant of judas iscariot but this guy actually claims he's part of the truth movement. They've never provide any truth whatsoever. And then and then so they, go, they go around doing the very same tactics they say are being used against them, you know? Yeah. So, so I think we've established these people have infiltrated government at the highest levels, and there are more of them. They have money to burn. Israel, under no circumstances, can compete with the kind of money these people are throwing around. Right. And we need to wonder why people are not talking about this. So I think we've established that, that there are questions here that, that need answering. And if people start digging, they're going to find things that contradict the narrative. And the whole point of the lie is to simply defend the communists and defend the Islamic infiltration into the government. Yeah, I think they're well funded to do that, as we've seen before. Maybe we should do a show one day uh, focused just on the uh, hierarchy of the GDL and, and the, the money and funding behind them and whatnot. You know, there's plenty of interesting stuff there. Yeah. So that's it for me. And I'm done. It's a long show. It was longer than expected. All right. Um, I, you, I, I th what is it? Uh, 4 a.m. for you? Yeah, three minutes to 4 a.m., yeah. All right. Well, we'll let you go to bed. Good night. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your support in the chat. Thanks for the comments. Thanks for the people... Uh, who kept it on track and thanks for all the mods and uh, your help as well in there well, much grace is correct islam is a political system with sharia as the world law remember islam is supposed to be preeminent across all the world the whole world is supposed to be dominated under sharia that is the international government is sharia and the international religion issue is islam yeah well said grace thanks for that and uh, uh we're going to sign off good night everybody thanks for your support please go to logosmedia.com support the show uh, you can click on the uh, on the uh, links down at the bottom there. Also sign up on Patreon for support. We can't do it without you. Uh, yeah. We are currently still uh, demonetized. Hopefully we'll get that up before long again. Uh, you, you're, uh, you can send Bitcoin donations down there to the link provided under the show. 
Much appreciated, yeah. everybody. And I will put links in the comments and stuff, or maybe Jan can put it in the description for some of the documents that I've had. I've given you on the docs as PDFs, and I can give them to you to download and check all the spreadsheets I looked at. We can look at that. Those are legit documents. So yeah, um, I didn't type out several thousand lines. I can tell you that. <laughs> all right. Good night, everybody. Have a great Bye. night. Bye-bye.